0: Welcome back to the Star Tribune's Talk and Preps podcast. I'm David LeVake, joined by my colleague Ron Hagstrom, who has embarked on one one heck of a project this year. Excuse me, is the 50th year of the football state tournament, which is not to say the Prep Bowl, and and Ron can get into the difference as we discuss this, but he took this project on to shed some light on the history of this event. which began in 1972. Uh, He's been putting stories online once a day for 50 days, as we record this on Tuesday, Ron, I believe you have the 1983 chapter up and, uh, which means that I guess tomorrow is 82, which means we're then into the prep bowl era, uh, or the creation of the prep bowl, uh, to take us through why the project and, and what it's been like to, to navigate it and, and what you've learned and, and what kind of feedback you're getting and all the things to do with that.
1: Well, thanks for having me. First of all, David, um. We were looking for different projects to start here in the fall with our high school sports coverage on our website. So I figured a good one would be um, the 50-year history of the state football tournament. And going back in time and looking at it from, you know, last year's meeting, last year's championship games, being the first of the project and working our way back to the very first ones of 1972. So I didn't know how much work it was going to entail, but it's, it's been <laughs> fun looking, looking back and checking out some of the history
0: here. I thought I heard you scream the other day because I, I know the Star Tribune archives in our system, we call Merlin, only goes back to 86. So now it's, you got to go to newspapers.com, and that's, it's, it's pretty good to navigate, but it's not quite as easy as Merlin. Has that been a tough transition to make?
1: Well, you, you really notice um, the difference in the writing and the stories as you go back, sure. along with the photography and how much darker photos look as you go back in time compared to what you see now.
0: Right. We talked, uh, I wanted to get get your sense. I mean, it's any, any event that's 50 years old is going to have a number of things that's different, and it's going to have a number of things that, reveal themselves to you as you do the research. What are some of the things on your short list of, wow, I, I, that's really interesting that this, I found this, and that's really interesting that this happened. What are some of those things?
1: Well, the, the biggest novelty is, as you go back in time, just looking at the way schools have changed in classification, too. Mm-hmm. You know, you got, um, let me call one up. You know, like the first championships, you had. Burnsville was a Class A school in '72, <laughs> and Everett was a Class A school in '73. Now, if you look at Burnsville and Everett today, there's quite a di- quite a bit of difference in size between those two schools.
0: Yeah, you 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 can watch the, and I and I feel like this is true in in boys hockey in particular because that's the one I study the most. But you can watch. Through the champions and, and even through the teams that are in the field, you can see the migration of the population going further out, further out. And, and it's an interesting way to track sort of this the socioeconomic elements, the, the, uh, the uh, census elements, is, and you clearly have tied into some of that with what you're finding.
1: Well, and yeah, because you look even at like 1988, uh, Lakeville was in the Class A division, you know. They weren't even amongst the big schools in 88. And now, now all of a sudden you're dealing with two schools in Lakeville that are in the big classification.
0: You, so, uh, we had a, oh, sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry, man. go ahead.
1: But just looking at the history like that, it's, it's kind of fun as you go back. Cause there's a lot of things you forget because I'm even, even like nine Man, Steven and Argyle were powers as separate schools before even before they became one. Oh, interesting. Well, both Stephen and Argyle had won state titles before they became Stephen Argyle. Huh. So just Stephen looking back at stuff like that, it's it's kind of funny, you know. Just recalling older history.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. The um, we had had a staff meeting earlier today, and we, during that, you talked about a couple of things that I'd love to have you unpack a little bit here. One was that there was at least one year where the nine-man championship wasn't held at the same time as the what the other classes that existed at that time, at that time. And then the other one was the amount of different venues that have been involved. Can you expand on those things?
1: Yeah, the first one you were talking about was the nine-man game in 1972, the first year, and Rodsay beat uh, Cotton. And that game was held a week prior to the other four championship games. So when I was going back and researching that, I was trying to figure out, did anybody cover C. Cotton in That's 1972? And I had to go back to the previous week to find out they had played a week earlier.
0: That's crazy. So,
1: but you had you had different games back in 72 where some of them were at the Old Metropolitan Stadium. You had another up at St. Cloud Apollo High School. So different venues all throughout, you know, before you became at U.S. Bank and the Metrodome. A lot of time there was spent at Parade Stadium, too, for the championship games.
0: How long until we had a centralized location for the finals? Have you you gotten to that in your research yet?
1: Yeah, and I think, um I'm trying to remember what year it was with the Metrodome.
0: This should be 82, first, right?
1: When it was first oh. year. Yeah, and I, it was right around that time. I don't think I wrote down exactly when it was.
0: I didn't mean to stump the, or stump the professor, sorry.
1: <laughs> no, but um, that's because it wasn't until... Than when they pretty much moved everything indoors.
0: Okay. The, but
1: at the same time, you know, you still had quarterfinals, and at a period there, you even had the semifinals outdoors, mm-hmm, where sure. it was just getting moved in for the championship. Where now you got the semis and championships all indoors, where the quarters are outside.
0: Right, right, right. But How was your? Okay.
1: I was going to say in those earlier years, too, you had the weather that played a much different element because you're looking at games that were played with teams wearing tennis shoes instead of spikes to, <laughs> navigate, the, to navigate the snow and ice on the field. So it That's was funny. a little, little different perspective.
0: That's well, you know, I have a friend of mine who was a football player at, at Hill Murray in the mid 90s, and he talked about a game where they could not get their footing um, with spikes and they switched over to tennis shoes and it, and it helped. that, you know, so I, I believe what you're saying when you said you found those, that that be the case in the past for sure. Are you seeing any, um, as you go through, are you seeing any family ties that, that maybe father, son, uh, uncle, nephew, anything that, that bridges generations in terms of, so-and-so was a star here, and now his son or nephew is a, is a star, maybe at the same school, maybe somewhere else. Uh, whether it's the small-town programs, whether it's the larger ones, have you seen anything like that?
1: Yeah, you, you see a lot of family connections through the years, um, and some of them stand out more than others. But at the same time, it's interesting to see, you know, even like Hutchinson now, who will be playing – for another state championship, and looking back to the early '80s when their current coach ran their offense, in Andy Rosberg yeah. playing for his, playing for his dad, you know, and that's right. that's that's one connection that has always st- stood out is that is the Rosberg connection in Hutchinson between dad and son, not only coaching but as players too. Very cool.
0: Is there any errors that you've come across that that uh, and not not in the articles themselves, because sometimes that can be harder to judge if, if it's getting back a number of years. But did you kind of cross reference the scores that were in the paper and with the what's in the high school league record book? Because sometimes they can be off uh, as far as final scores and things. Have you come across anything like that?
1: Um, not really. I've, uh, I've double checked everything pretty closely on that aspect. Um, The big thing you notice in the earlier years and as time goes on, you'll see that um, names were misspelled or wrong in an Mm. earlier era and are different now when you use them. So (laughs) you you didn't have quite the um, connection with the names being as correct back then spelling wise because a lot of times even like the rossberg name that i mentioned you'll see that spelt b-u-r-g where it's b-e-r-g sure so and you'll you'll see it from one year to the next where in those earlier years you'll have see one spelling one year and then it a letter or two different the following year so it's It's more double-checking that kind of stuff just to make sure everything's correct.
0: Mm -hmm, For sure. You talked about there is going to be a culminating – well, first of all, let me make sure I understand this. So far to this point, has this been an online-only pursuit?
1: Yes, it's been online-only on our website. And um, eventually we might do a couple things in the paper, get closer to prep bowl time here. And we'll see how that works out.
0: Well, you said that there is a culminating, uh, you know, the very first one is is going to be coming up on the, you were going to have it published on the eve of the prep bowl. Right, can you divulge anything about that? Or do you want to keep those cards closer to your chest at this point?
1: Well, it, you look back on that 1972 era yeah. and you had the first championship um, won by a Minneapolis school, which was, which is kind of wow. nice yeah. being Washburn, that they're, right? yep, Washburn uh, beat Moorhead twenty-six to six. You know, and it's fun to see like the Minneapolis schools back when they were stronger amongst the big schools. Right. And then even following on Washburn's footsteps, you had Rochester John Marshall with a. Uh, outstanding player and a ken Kitsman. okay you know and i was just looking at one of their championship games and he carried 40 times and that was out of the ordinary for him and i think with the gophers a few years later he carried it 56 times in a game so you see how Kitsman developed more stamina as he went on too
0: are you logging any of these, you come across these individual performances, uh, are there things that it would be, you know, good to get out there and something like someone that may not have a record anymore, but may have held it for a long time. Someone who had a performance that just felt like it needed. Is that, is that the kind of things that you're plugging into your recaps?
1: Well, you know, I'm kind of no- noting all the current prep records in their record books. And it, you know, I didn't want to go back in like seventy six and say it was a state tournament championship game record when it's currently not that way. But I'll sure. still highlight I still highlight like the top performances and stuff. And it's it's not just strictly offensive base. There's been some defensive standouts too that have taken center stage.
0: Is there anybody or a couple of somebodies that that time has sort of washed out of our collective memories that is worth remembering as, as a top performer at, on this station. Um, like Joe Mauer. You know, as quarterback at and Durham Hall, we we'll don't remember that. Where, you know, there's yep. other guys that you know, any anybody that stood out like, oh, you know, I forgot how good that guy was. I'm glad I came across that again. Well, the one that.
1: The couple that still jump out to a lot of people in one fairly recent memory, or at least in the last 15 years, was uh, the catch by Mika Cohn for Titino Grace in 2007.
0: Oh, right, yeah.
1: To to beat Monomirai, and then you had the controversial... Two-point conversion in '88 with Tom Newman of Blaine beating Creighton and Durham Hall in that game, 25 to 24. You know they had a 15-yard touchdown with two seconds left, and the controversial two-point conversion after that.
0: A few years so, ago, I did a "Where are they now?" on Tommy Newman, and and of course that came up, and I, I you know, he said, "You know, it's funny." He said, "I, I play softball now." This was I wrote this, I guess, probably back in 2000. No, oh, I don't know, five, six, seven-ish. And she said, "I." It's funny, he said, "I, I played softball with some Creighton guys, and and they still give me a hard time about it <laughs> <laughs> that I wasn't in." <laughs> well, but, and uh, you still look at guys that had great
1: careers too at the smaller schools, like a Kirk Methune at, at Triton, and a Chris Might at Minneota. I mean, those kids were outstanding back in their day.
0: For sure. Are you getting a lot of feedback or any feedback from people? Because, gosh, it must be fun for some of these communities and uh, big or small to reminisce about, about the championship they won. Because football, as we know, is such a – it just gets the community behind it like no other sport really does. So, Is there some good feedback coming to you and, and thanking you for, for you know letting them smile and, and reminisce a bit?
1: I've 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 gotten some feedback and it's kind of been interesting because the few that I hear from have a tendency to wait, say I can't wait till you get back to the year we won it and see what <laughs> you have involving our team or anything. So, but the, the one thing I I've had to remind a few people of I'm just looking at championship games. I'm not going back to the semis or quarters mm. or through the whole tournament. I, it's hard enough just focusing on the championship games, much less trying to do those too.
0: So what are the, I mean, photos are, like I said, they're, they're black and white when you're finding them on newspapers.com, but is there anything visually that, that shows the progression? I, in, I mean, you know, we're getting back to, is it all single bar face masks? Is what, you know, are there things about the way the players dressed and the protective equipment, anything that has, that you'd find like, Oh, okay. We're, we're now we're in, we're getting to that era.
1: Yeah, you see the difference in the equipment and makeup, but the one thing I've noticed the most too is even like the running stats, because you were outdoors in the bad weather and more elements on right. how the yardage has gone down in games. Where mm. if you if you had a team with 300 total yards, it was like outrageous. <laughs> You know, so it, if you if you had two hundred yard rushing games or passing games, it was it was more of a novelty.
0: It's it's so football from the beginning, and rightfully so, they've they've broken the teams into classes based on their enrollments. Is there do you even try to hazard a guess? At a, even if it's a short list of the best prep bowl teams or best prep bowl champions, but I shouldn't say prep bowl, the best state champions, state tournament champions, do you have a short list of who those should be? And, and are there any teams that you've uncovered in your research that you think, Hey, you know, we don't talk enough about this team. Is there any, anything like that?
1: Well, when you're looking at that stuff too, you got to really look at Mike Grant's groups at Eden Prairie because they've just been so dominant. And I know most coaches don't like to say one team was better than the other, but they were they were so good for a period of time. It's kind of, you prefer when they were stronger defensively or maybe a little better offensively. But there's a lot of individuals that jump out at different times, you know, cause he, he got, had like a Willie Mobley at Eden Prairie. Oh, you sure. Know, when, I remember, you know, for a couple of years, then you go back to Ryan Iverson 10 years before yeah. that.
0: Yeah. That's another one. Yeah.
1: You know, so you got, you got different elements on it depends what you're looking for and everything. I did find a couple oddities that kind of surprised me when you, Look back through the history, though. Like what? Um, For example, Edina has only won one championship. Okay. And the oddity about that, it was Edina West. Oh, no kid! it, It was during that short period when they were actually two schools instead of one. Right. You know, so when you think of that back then and how dominant Edina was, athletically in a lot of sports football was not where the one where they jumped out
0: hmm. yeah that is interesting
1: and it, another one that i didn't even really think about that i should have remembered is and you'll have more recollection with this one is uh saint thomas academy mm, yeah and and the reason that they jump out is their only state championship was 1975. Mm-hmm. Now, you look how dominant that school has been. 25 state tournament appearances and only one championship.
0: Isn't that something?
1: But they were they were also strong back in the mid to late 70s. So they've been good for a long period of time. Not yeah, just they recently.
0: are. Yeah, uh, that is an enduring program for sure. So, last question I have for you. So, I, I got to put in a plug for my book, *Tourney Time*, which I wrote with Lauren Nelson. It's the first 75 years of the boys' hockey tournament. You're not writing; you're not going back as far. You're only going back to '72, I understand, but you got more games over that span of time, so I guess it all equals out. But all this is to say, do you have a book in your Uh
1: Not at the moment. <laughs> I got I got too much other work to do. You know, KB is keeping me busy with the prep stuff.
0: Sure, sure.
1: It would make a fascinating book. Well, and what would be fascinating is even the time before the state high school league kind of took over the state tournament. Because like with Minneapolis Washburn in 1972, um, one of the things that is mentioned with their coach that I did is for years, they were considered, quote-unquote, the mythical champion. Sure. Because there was no championship games back then, so in the 60s.
0: If, if, if I'm all... not mistaken, Ted Peterson of the, of the either the Tribune or the Star back then when it was two papers, he was the one who did the research or made the determination of who the mythical state champion was. Does that, is that name yes. come across here? Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah it sure does. And even yeah. e- even in the early years of the seventies, um not everybody made the playoffs. It was strictly done on a point system.
0: Oh well, that is interesting. So you
1: you finished your regular season and only uh like I think it might have been the top four qualified for the state tournament based on a point system.
0: That is interesting. So A lot of good stuff here. I'm glad you're doing it. The readers are glad you're doing it. This has been a great project, a great way to whet the appetite for the approaching uh, prep bowl, which if people don't realize is going to be a week later than normal because the Vikings on Thanksgiving have, have bumped the traditional uh, day and, and two days after Thanksgiving. It's it's now the first weekend in December. So uh, we appreciate all the work you're doing. Thank you for the time today and uh, we'll look forward to Picking up the, uh, the, the list on, on Wednesday with 82 and, and working our way down to the final few tournaments. Thanks for having me, David. It's been fun.